Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project. And as always, I am with my incredible co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello, everyone. And we are thrilled because today we have the amazing May Flores. (laughs) May, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's our absolute pleasure. May, why don't we start with you sharing, how did you hear about the Filipino American Woman Project? And more importantly, why did you decide to join us today to share your story? Oh my gosh, it was probably like one of my, it was like my bucket list. Like I, I was like, I want to be asked to be in this show. <laughs> I was doing a little stalk, like Instagram stalking and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to get asked. And then oh. I didn't even have to ask. I liked it. And then you guys reached out and I was like, oh my gosh, they're actually going to have me on it. I'm so excited. You have no idea. You're, I'm so excited to be a part of it. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so great. Well, you, you manifested it and you know, like you found us, you liked us. We, you know, you saw us, so we saw you and then now now we're here. Now we're here. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. No, we're so happy to have you. And even before we started this recording, I just already fell in love with your energy. So I think we're going to have an incredible (laughs) conversation today. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm definitely (laughs) not what people imagine me to be sometimes, considering my history. So I'm so excited to share with you where it all comes from. Ooh, okay. I'm so excited. Okay, let's jump into it then. (laughs) (laughs) So for this project, we like to focus on individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as a woman or female pronouns she, her. So May, would you care to share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman? I am definitely a Filipino-American woman, but I'm also an immigrant. I came to the U.S. when Mm. I was 11 with my mom and my sister. That's how it started. My mom was a single parent. And I think we just kind of fell into immediately being part of the culture. I think Filipinos are really great at immediately integrating, you know. And Mm. I didn't feel like we skipped a beat when we immigrated. And... I immediately felt like I'm an American now, even before, you know, we went through the whole immigration process. The minute we landed here, I'm like, I think there was that desire to be American, to be a part of it all. And so my mom and I were like, we're Americans now before we even got our citizenship. We felt like we were immediately a part of the community. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I love that. Like you said, when when it didn't feel like you skipped a beat at all. So the transition, would you say the transition was like a smooth transition for you and your mom to immigrate here? Definitely. I mean, my mom was an English teacher, so English mm-hmm. was always kind of a part of our day-to-day. And the Filipinos, obviously, with English being, you know, borderline first and second language, it's like, you know, English was pretty dominant in, in our day-to-day growing up. So when we came here, people thought that we would need, you know, English integrational type of courses, and we didn't need it. I mean, my sister mm. and I were like, oh, we, we fit in, you know, and nobody treated us differently. And we didn't feel the difference either. So it was the best transition in the world. And we arrived on Thanksgiving Day. And it was like, everybody was in good feelings. People were warm. It was like, if you were to think of the most ideal 
you know, immigration acceptance into a country. You come out on Thanksgiving Day, everybody feels great, you know. So everybody's <laughs> like, happy Thanksgiving and giving up. And we were just welcomed. And I'm like, this is great. This is definitely America. Like, this is everything I imagined it was going to be, you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You sound like you have one of those very rare stories of <laughs> success right. transitioning over right. here. Right. Right. Because I know not every, you know, Filipino immigration story is not as pleasant or comfortable, you know, especially with the language and just the integrating as far as where you're going to live and Mm. where your children going to go to school. And, you know, and then you throw in the immigration and you throw in, you know, whether your visits are short or long and whether you'd want to stay here longer. There's so many complexities in it. But I feel really fortunate that I was able to come in a situation that was a little bit more prepared for me, you know, and it, yeah. it, it really allowed smoother transition for my sister and I to feel like, oh, this is our new home, you know. Wow, that's incredible. Nani, I heard you agreeing a little bit. Did you have something you wanted to add? Oh, well, not necessarily agreeing, just kind of in all of your story, like you said, it's the first of of its kind that we've heard on the show, I think. So I think that's really, that's really cool. And it sounds like you have really beautiful memories from that. I do. And, you know, my confusion with my identity didn't really happen until, you know, I was in high school and into college when I really was like, wow, you know, this is where I'm seeing a lot of differences and people are treating me differently. Because the small community I lived in, you know, suburb I lived in, in the west west suburbs of Chicago, you know, was pretty much in a bubble. And Mm. I didn't realize I was like one of a handful of Filipinos. Mm. I mean, we were, I think my mom wanted us to integrate so much that she didn't even care that we didn't have Filipino friends. You know, like she was like, Mm -hmm. okay, they're going to be successful and they're going to grow up and no one's going to treat them differently. And it was just a relief for her. You know, it's the most mm-hmm. ideal situation you could hope for as a parent is like your kids are teased. Your kids aren't made to feel different, you know. Right. So I didn't feel that. I didn't feel. And it's odd to say, like, I felt white. Like, I felt white and didn't really say, oh, I'm Filipino unless people ask. Mm-hmm. And I felt that extremely troubling as I got older. And that's when I really dove in into you know, learning about our indigenous culture, about, you know, our colonialism structure in the Philippines and like really started, like I learned Tagalog, I tried to be more fluent and now I speak it fluently, like, because I just felt like, you know, it wasn't my mom's fault. Right. That that she wanted us to have a flawless adjustment period here. But then I learned as I got older, like, I really needed that in my life so much and more so as I became an adult and more so now that I'm the mom of like two boys. I'm a single mom of two boys and I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself like I do not want them to not know that they're Filipino like even though they're born here and so that became my priority was making sure that the next generation of our family never forgets you know what we are. So yeah. it's so complex. It's beautiful. It's complex. It's like you know what were there their pros and cons to it for sure for sure yeah all right jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show as i always do to remind you why this show is possible so you know at the end of every episode i tend to say 
If you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I worked so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. I think what I am really taking from your story so far is that you started off with a very positive, healthy foundation, you know, here in America, that even once things started to become confusing, because you started to feel different in high school and what have you, it doesn't sound like it necessarily shook you. And uh, now that you are a mother, you're all about preserving the culture. I think it's so cool that you learned Tagalog. That's I'm, I'm a long way from learning Tagalog <laughs> and, you know, preserving culture for your son. So I think one question I have is, um, do you miss the Philippines in any way? Or are you just like so happy, you know, to, I mean, it's not, it sounds like it was a smooth transition, but I'm oh, curious I if you like miss going back to the Philippines. I feel like something's missing. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like confused almost. Like, why did I feel so comfortable in America? Mm-hmm. You know, was I so willing to let, you know, 11 years of my life go so quickly? You know, there's a lot of confusion and definitely a lot of like mixed feelings of like, why would I leave such a beautiful country that, you yeah. know, every government, every country has its pros and cons. And ours was a beautiful place. And why would I leave that? And people ask me, and when people ask me now, and you guys probably hear it too, like, why would you leave the island? Or why would your <laughs> family leave the island for this? And they don't understand that there was a lot more going on there. But why did we want to flee so badly, you know, mm. for a better life? Mm-hmm. You know, that question rises all the time in my head. Like, was it that bad? Was it so bad that we were willing to give up our identities? and merge into one that was a newer country than ours. Like, what made us believe that that was better? Disney World? Because that's all I thought about when I arrived here. (laughs) Like, I am steps closer to Disney World, you know? As a kid, you're like, yes, you know, I'm Mickey Mouse. And, and, you know, it's like, I really battle with that. I'm like, what is so terrible? And then, you know, we went to a private school. Like, my mom had us in a private school. And things were not difficult, you know, like, yeah, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor and we were happy. We went to, you know, the cultural center of the Philippines for picnics every Sunday after church. You know, it seemed like a happy life. We weren't definitely going like, oh, if we go to America, it'll be better. 
But wow. in my mom's mind, being a single mom, and we were all women, my mom, my sister, and I, I think when I asked her about it, I think she just knew that being the women that we were, she didn't want the life she had, being alone and raising girls alone in that country. Mm-hmm. And so she thought we had a better chance at being something here. And so, you know, that overrided any sort of feeling she had about what she was giving up over there. Yeah, definitely. What you're talking about, the the guilt that you have kind of reminds me of like my husband when I like to rub things in on him is uh, is white guilt. You know, like he feels guilty that he's a white person and he feels, you know, like he doesn't think he's privileged, but I guess I make him feel guilty to think that he does have privilege. <laughs> and for me, what I'm hearing from you, May, is that you have like, this term's not a term I'm just making up right now, but it's like, it's almost like you have like American guilt. Like you've yeah. had a smooth transition. You went to a good school. You had a good community and you're asking yourself like why me you know like should I feel worse like should I should I feel bad that like it was so easy for me to let go of my motherland and and assimilate in America so I think that's a that's a really really interesting take a really interesting perspective that I I haven't heard yet oh my gosh yeah I battle with it all the time especially with my involvement with the community work that I do now with Mm -hmm. the Filipino community it's like Sometimes I feel like I'm an imposter, and that's when, like, mm. the imposter syndrome really steps in. I'm like, you don't belong here. You don't, like, you're not as Filipino. You sold out a long time ago. Like, all these wow. things in my head, and I just have to keep, like, especially, like, when I was acting, and I, you know, the state of Virginia gave me a day in honor of, like, Filipino American Heritage Month. Wow. And it's, like, oh, every wow. October 3rd is May Flores Beni Day. And then, like, they did this whole parade, and they did this whole, and I felt like, you do not deserve this. Wow. You know, like, you do not deserve all of these, like, accolades for being an actress in the state of Virginia. Like, it doesn't make sense, because there are people who are more Filipino that have embraced that more than mm. you, and those are the people that just gave you the award. And I'm thinking to myself, they're just proud that I'm representing, but there was a lot of guilt. You know, there still is. There still is, especially when I, you know, talk about, you know, being a Filipino-American speaker and all of that. I'm like, oh, like, can they see right through me? Like, I fit right in when, you know, when Americans are listening to me speak, they're like, oh, wow, what a successful immigrant. Yeah. You know, like, she's really making things happen and making us proud to be an immigrant-friendly country. When really I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I don't feel... American anymore. I feel like I've become more Filipino as an adult. Mm. And I really hope and wish that Filipinos saw me. Like, they, I wish you would see me type of thing. Like, when I'm speaking in Filipino engagements, I'm like, I really hope you really see that I want to be you. Wow. <laughs> right. It's really weird and powerful, right? Like, yeah, I want to be more Filipino. And I was born there. Like, I wish <laughs> I was more Filipino. Right. And I hope like, that you don't think I'm an imposter, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what you what you just described, I could also say, like, I also identify with being or have started to identify with, you know, my Filipino heritage more as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um same thing when I'm in these spaces or around other Pinais, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, I want you to see me. I want you to recognize me as 
one of you, you know, I want us to be sisters. Like I want us to be the same. And that's kind of blows my mind to hear you say that because you were born there. You actually, you know, had a life there. You know your roots there. So for you to feel like that, I would like to hear more about when you said your confusion around your identity did hit because you were raised with such a solid foundation, both, you know, in your household dynamics and around surrounding community in the Philippines and when you came here and it was a smooth transition, like you said, mm-hmm. that I feel like are the building blocks to build a really strong sense of identity and eliminate, you know, all that confusion as an adult where you are obviously <laughs> saying that, that that didn't happen. So no, where did the confusion come from and what, how has that kind of translated into the way that you feel today? Well, when I was in high school, more towards like the, my junior and senior year, I had a boyfriend that, you know, would love that I was Filipina and it became like a trophy type situation. Mm. Like, oh, like mm. I have like this great Filipino girlfriend who would say like Filipina this and Filipina that. And I, would, I remember thinking like, oh, that's right. You know, like I am. And then like, I didn't have any opposition to it. I was just like, why do, Why was that odd that I even found it odd that he, he said Filipino girlfriend? You know, why was I? Because I was like, wow, I totally lost it. I totally forgot. And that's when I was like, you're more white than Filipino right now. Like, mm-hmm. are, and whether, like, that's okay or not. And so that, that lingered. Then when I went to college and I was in the city of Chicago, I was at DePaul, I remember there was a Filipino sorority. And I was rushing. I was like, I want to join this. You know, I was like, this is awesome. Filipino focus. That's when my desire really started. And I was not accepted. Wow. And I remember thinking that really hit. Like it became almost like this thing. And I had, you are not Filipino enough. And there might have been other things, you know, but that was the only thing that resonated. And I was accepted by, I was chosen by sororities that were predominantly white. And that's when I was like, I can't do this, like confusing my identity anymore. And so I really kind of laid into learning about the culture, talking in Tagalog as often as I could, remembering what I learned. And it became this thing that just kind of kept happening. And then as I became an adult, you know, it became this dominant thing in my head. You are Filipino. You can speak the language. You use it. Don't Mm -hmm. lose it type of thing. And so that's when it really happened, that transition of like being young and then realizing even your Filipina sorority of your university doesn't even want to accept you. Wow. And I would love to know what discussion happened in that closed room to make them decide I wasn't a part of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that really sunk in as like, wow, you know, you must, they must see right through you. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. know that you don't portray yourself or present as truly Filipina. So that was traumatic, you know? Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, Nani? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how people can make you question your own experience in that way, you know, because at the end of the day, facts are facts. (laughs) You were born in the Philippines. You lived there for the first 10 or 11 years of your life, you said. Then you came here, you still are not any less Filipina (laughs) just because you live in America. You're still Filipina. So is the rest of your family, you know, who you lived at home with and grew up with the community that you were in. Like, 
it's interesting how one traumatic experience like that can make you question, you know, your own story or maybe Definitely. change your own story. Because, yeah, anyone that's outside of that situation obviously is going to tell you, like, you sound crazy. Of course, you're still Filipina. <laughs> right. But, but like I also I understand how that feels. Right. Right. You, I, well, I'm sure you do. Like, it's, it's a really confusing thing, you yeah. know, and unless you're in that same world that does happen to people, even immigrants that yeah. were born in the Philippines. Yeah. Wow. I just feel like it's so interesting because I feel this there's like this common thing that happens amongst like Filipinos where we even attack each other and say you're not Filipino enough. Mm -hmm. Like and so it's like we mm -hmm. get it, we get it outside of our community and we also get it in our community. And yeah, we do it, it to each other. Right. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. And I'm wondering if it comes from from all of us just trying to find like a sense of security in our own identity. And when we don't have it, we tend to project it on other people. I don't think we intend to hurt other people. It's just like, it just comes off that way. And I think because I was just having a conversation with someone today about like, just how difficult it is for a lot of Filipinos to have healthy communication, you know, with each other, yeah. because culturally, oh, yeah. we're taught to, we're taught to sweep things under the rug. And so there's miscommunication. And therefore, it feels like there's this cattiness and competition or comparison. And it's just, it's all a big misunderstanding, in my opinion. Yeah. And right. when you marry that, that, when you marry that with also the fact that all of us are so confused on you know, what it means to be Filipino and what Filipina heritage, mm -hmm. you know, how that relates to us and our lives and our families. We're all confused. We've yeah. all historically been like starved of that information. And so then when we right. step into this space and we start wanting to compare and contrast with other Filipinas on the internet or whatever other spaces that we're in, community organizing, school, you know, social, whatever, then it's mm -hmm. kind of like we're all judging by our own understanding, which is nothing like the person next to us. You know, like we all have right. a different understanding of what it means to be Filipina. And so making that comparison just isn't fair, you know? It really isn't fair because it's so hard as it is. Filipinos have had such a long history really being fed exactly what we're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Like, we're supposed to be Spanish. We're supposed to be Chinese. We're supposed right. to be. And I think we're like, oh, oh, we, we, okay. And I think we're such a congenial community that we just kind of assimilate into whatever situation, which is great, which is great, but troubling. Like, yeah. why are we so eager to find new identification in others? Yeah. Like, why is that? Like, why is that comfortable for us? Why is it comfortable for us to literally be taken from one foster home to another foster home? Mm, I think that it's is like, like the question of the year. Injury. Yeah. Right. It's like this this systemic, like traumatic situation that we've all been put in. That we're okay to get to get passed around. It's okay. Wow. We're really good at we're really good at adjustment. And I hear that a lot when I'm talking to non, you know, Filipino folks. And they're like, wow, Filipinos really adjust well. Their English is impeccable. Or they're, you know, they just like they just agree and they never break the rules. And we're like, oh, thank you for the pat on the back. But we're a lot more complex than that. Right. Okay. We're not a monolith. We found safety in trauma. We found safety 
and feeling some belonging in whatever was available to us. You know, the Americans gave us, you know, this opportunity to be safe during the war. Mm. And they provided us food and and tried to integrate a better educational system. And they did a lot of these things, right, in the most recent part of our history. And we were just like, we love America, you know, because they were so nice to us. It's like being, I hate to say it, like we were treated like pets. Mm, like yeah. we're just going to jump in and be these ama- amazing bottled human beings for you guys. And it's hard to like say stuff like that, but it's true. And yeah. and that's why I was like, I am not going to be that. Mm. You know, I might be here. I'm not going to be a quiet Filipina. I'm not going to be like, especially when you start diving into like my history and all of that. Like, I'm not going to be a quiet Filipina that I'm supposed to assimilate and not talk about trauma. And I'm not going to be that person that's supposed to keep things under the rug all the time. And I'm going to be totally different and I'm going to be something I'm not expected to be. And that kind of became my life thing. And that's the argument I always make, especially with traditionalists that are like, you know, Filipino women, we're not supposed to be talking about this, even with my mom. Wow. You know, I, I, we have this argument a lot. She's like, don't talk about these things. It's not ladylike. I'm like, you mean it's Ugh. not our culture? It's not culturally like us? Acceptable, yeah. Right, right. To stick out and rock the boat, you know. We're not those immigrants. I, and it's really hard to have conversations with people that, you know, that really believe in that. And I mean, I'm not like the best historical person. I don't make the best historical references. <laughs> but, you know, when they say, oh, it's not ladylike, oh, you're not being Filipina, like, that's really referring to how the, the Spaniards wanted us to be, you know, and right, but prior right. to that, like hun- centuries ago, <laughs> we were not like that. We were not quiet. You know, we and, were not. Uh, we were fighters. We were yes. warriors. Warriors. Yeah. We wanted to. Yeah, we tried to fight for. And at some point, you know, we had smaller armies. We had less resources. You know, our women were being, you know, manhandled, and our children were getting killed. And at some point, mm. there was a weakening of our solid structure, and we we bent. You know, yeah. we bent over, and we allowed because we were fearful of losing whatever little bit of us was left in there. So mm. we bring that over and we talk about, you know, centuries and decades of all of us now evolving into now these current days. And we're thinking to ourselves like, wow, we have so much crap going on in our heads. How can we even yeah. just be living day to day? There's so much more to us that needs to be identified. And I didn't want my boys to not know that 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 was a struggle that I had. I didn't want them to find out later in their life either. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be fully aware of it. But isn't it so sad? Like, it's so sad. And I know we're not the only country. But when we're talking about model like Asians, that people always like mention that, like, you guys just assimilated and you learned English and you're, and I'm like, I don't know if that's something to be proud of. You know, we did it because Mm. we wanted something better for ourselves. It's not because we wanted to be like, perfect citizens for you guys right <laughs> like there's a story behind that i'm not just <laughs> no, here by like <laughs> chance yeah <laughs> well you know may when you say that you're being like the anti-traditionalist in a way i really feel like you're 
embodying what a true Filipina is, which is pre-colonial times, being outspoken, putting yourself out there, you know, like it's it's incredible. Oh, and I'm cry. <laughs> I'm so okay. Yeah, this no conversation you fit in. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like, that's why uh, Nani and I love doing the show is we're helping all of us uh, rewrite our narrative and also be aware of a narrative that's been erased from us. And you know, the way that you are, because I can easily say too, that I'm very like anti traditionalist, I'm really not like the kind of Filipina that I should be. You know, I don't have a full time job. I've been self employed for my entire adult life. I'm not a cute, quiet girl. I'm a loud girl who like has a side cut that's very obvious to see. You know, like I, right, I like right. to, like, I'm very quote unquote like different, but not really. You know, like it, it just depends on what era of Filipino you're talking about. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just you know, too. Yeah. yeah, it depends <laughs> it on the century evolving. y'all are referring to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, May, thank you so much for diving in deep with us on that. I mean, I, I almost felt like we wouldn't have much to ask you at the initial uh, initially because of how uh, positive your upbringing was. But I, I really appreciate you diving deep, especially you know sharing when things started to get confusing and you started to feel different and everything. Mm-hmm. So I want to go ahead and fast forward to today and what that means for you. And so for people that are getting to know you for the first time, May, and I know that you have an incredible story and you've done so many incredible things, but for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you share a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? These days, I am completely focused on speaking mostly about the topic surrounding and about sexual assault. I have survived sexual assault twice, stranger sexual assault, um, twice in my life. One when I was a a senior in high school, um, when my family was on a trip, and another time when I was about five years ago, already as an adult and as a mom. Yeah, like who would have expected for stuff like that to happen twice in your life, you know? Mm. So my shift um, in life became sending a message of like, sometimes we don't have a choice. We kind of have to just get up and and make the best of our lives, you know, despite what's thrown at us. It was like a message. I say that all the time, like once, okay, you know, trauma. Twice, like somebody's telling you something, like, and this is what you can do with that. And I felt like it just paved the way for me to, to talk about it as a Filipina, as a Filipina immigrant, talking about being, you know, sexually assaulted twice here in America, where my family came to avoid violence mm. is where I arrive and experience the most violence. Wow. And and to, to you know, that mind play that you go through of like, my mom did everything she could to give us a better life, to avoid all of this. And for her to know that the, that that her daughter experienced the most violence already when she was here. I mean, that's wow. got to be hard. That's got to be hard for any parent to kind of swallow. And so my my goal is to speak positively about how, despite that those experiences in my life, like I really have the choice to make it different every day. And I wake up every day saying it. It doesn't have to be. My life doesn't have to fully be about trauma all the time. I can Mm. talk about it. 
I can help people come out with their own stories and which has been the most rewarding thing in my life is like people of color coming to me with their personal stories. And I'm telling you, the oldest story I heard was from a 70 year old woman who had been sexually assaulted every day, most of her life until she got married by her uncle. And she didn't tell anybody until she told me. And so these are the things that impact me. And I'm thinking to myself, not only it's confusing because not only does it provide me some comfort in the sense that you have not been through as worse as what is out there. So it brings a little perspective. And then there's a part of me that's like, you are actually helping people tell their stories. And now I've combined almost, I would say almost 1,400 personal stories, either emailed to me, texted to me, and um, people contacting me on Facebook. I mean, you will not believe some me being the first person they've told or not, you know, just to have like to be the keeper, the curator of these stories has been hugely healing for me. You know? Yeah. I can but imagine. I get choked up thinking about it. But that's been my mission. I feel like it's really interesting. You know, it's kind of like gone through like a sort of evolution. But right now, you know, I, I feel like ironically, like right now I'm coming into, we're talking in this new amazing stage in my life when I'm seeing my trauma is not always this sad and heavy thing anymore. Like I'm realizing there's still a part of my life that, that I can still enjoy. And I can actually yeah. live what I preach now, you know, and I can be happy and, you know, be joyful again. So right now, the current statement is really my goal is just to speak a little bit more about the beauty of what a new life can be, mm. despite what we go through, whether it's this kind of trauma or any other kind of life shift. So that is, those are the things I'm kind of doing, like a college, collegiate kind of tour right now. I'm going to be speaking on campuses. Mostly, get this, I was invited to speak at an all-Filipina sorority group at Loyola wow. University oh, in Chicago. Oh, wow. And I was like, you have no idea that this is like coming home. Oh, my God. <laughs> I get to ask you guys questions. Like, what are? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that in the Q&A, so I'm running a workshop. I'm actually getting paid to run a workshop to talk about this subject matter. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask them that in the Q&A, like, you know, you know, there was this time in my life when I really wanted to fit in with you guys. Oh my goodness. You know, is it still the same? Like what are, how do you define what a Filipina is? You know, mm. I would love to hear that. I'd be like, okay, mm. you just healed me right now with your answers. Like, yes, I'd totally love to okay hear now. that too. <laughs> I'm going to update you girls on it. But, yes, you know, but that's kind of like the thing I'm doing now is, you know, speaking in smaller groups instead of larger groups. Because I feel like I make much more of an impact when I'm more intimate with my story and then they are allowed to also share their own. So mm. that's what I'm currently doing. Wow. wow. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for sharing that, for sharing your experience of sexual assault twice. I feel like it's definitely a very common thing amongst women of color to experience sexual abuse. I personally had been molested by my first cousin every time I went back to the Philippines. And I remember when I told, oh, yeah, you think, you think, right. And I was a virgin. And, uh, oh <laughs> and you God. think, you think that the people that are supposed to make you feel safe. And it was funny because I had a lot of, um, I, I was a, I was a tomboy growing up. I had a lot of guy friends, a lot of platonic male mm-hmm, relationships. Mm-hmm. And my mom always thought that I was like a slut. Right. And, and yet 
the first guy to touch me was my first cousin. And when I told my mom, she initially didn't believe me. She even blamed it on me. Yeah. She even blamed it. She was like, why did you There's a moment, like, why were you wearing? Or like, what did you say? Or what were you doing with him anyway, alone? You know, there's always like a question, which is horrible. And I'm so sorry that happened. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've definitely done a lot of healing uh, since then. And it kind of like, I, I I wanted to share that too, just because I feel like what you and I have is what this therapist had told me once. It's called post-traumatic growth. And essentially it means that you grow, yeah, you grow from your trauma and you try to make good out of, I mean, I, I could be butchering the definition. You'll have to like Google it, but you, you try to, you try to make good out of like the trauma that you went through. And you've really, just from what you've been telling me and your story and what you do today, you've really turned your pain into a passion And I think like that's so needed today for people to be so honest about what they went through because after a while, you start to realize it's not about you. It's about the people you can help, you know, and just like how you're- exactly. Yeah. And just like how you're curating all these stories, like just like what we're doing here with the Filipino American Woman Project, like we start with healing ourselves so that we can help heal other people. And we realize that when you can help other people in that way, it becomes a responsibility. And so I just want to commend you, May, for just everything that you're doing. I mean, more importantly, everything that you've gone through and and what you're doing um, because of what you've gone through. I, I'm just in admiration of you and, and I'm honored to be having a conversation with you right now. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It's making me tear up. You know, it's like, you don't, you don't choose to be traumatized, right? You don't choose to have these things happen right. to you. But I always say like, but I choose to do something different with it. And mm, and right. that's what I tell my mom. I'm always like, she's she's very like cautious for me. Like, I, I'm really worried. I think that you, you speak so much about the trauma and that, you know, this catches up. And yeah, I will, I will admit that sometimes there are occasions when I'm like, okay, I need a break because I've been doing a lot of these speaking engagements and repeating it, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. triggers me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But of course, mm-hmm. it's, quite a, it's lessened. But yes, there's going to be moments when it's dark. I think that just comes with the territory of, of PTSD and, you know, post-stress and trauma that we experience. So that's, that's a given. But we know that we know that that'll happen. So my, I, I'm always like, just keep going. Like give yourself yeah. a day, pick back up first thing in the morning. You gave yourself a day. You let your, yourself get depressed. You let yourself cry a right. little. You let yourself pick out a little. And now today I'm going to start over because the message still needs to be sent. You know? Absolutely. So, you know, yeah. what I want to say, I, I feel like today we're still trying to normalize like mental health. And I think like trauma is no different than like, for example, like if you haven't stretched in a while, like you're going to, it's going to be hard to like, it's harder to stretch if you don't stretch normally, I think. And if you don't stay on top of it, then it's going to be harder for you to stretch if that makes sense. And I feel like, you know, like, like, and so I'm I'm trying to do like the best analogy right now, but like with trauma, I feel like if, if you don't like nurture it or if you don't take care of it, if you don't find healing in it, then like it's just going to get worse. You know, it's kind of like if you don't drink enough water, you're going to get dehydrated. And I feel like people forget that mental health is part of your physical health and to take care of it and to nurture it and treat it as if it is a physical ailment. Because essentially trauma, and I've heard this in, in our past interviews from some other people as well, but, you know, trauma 
really changes your DNA. And it's literally a part of you now. And you have to right. you have to accept that and live with it. But it doesn't have to be a bad thing to live with it, you know? Right. Yeah. No, yeah. That's what I thing. really like what you said, May, about how your trauma doesn't have to like rule your life or whatever that you said about it and how you've used yours to like motivate you or it just naturally has motivated you over time to help others. Like you don't sit there and wallow in your own pain and sorrow and, you know, go over in your head what happened over and over again and do the whole blaming yourself and all the other negative stories that we tell ourselves in those types of situations. You are just so focused on sharing your story so that you can help other people or, you know, however you can help them, even if it's just by listening to them tell a story that they haven't told in 50 years, you know, that's really impactful. And I like that you, yeah. And you just keep your eyes focused on that rather than on your story. And that's, that's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Well, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, May, for just sharing that. And we have had listeners in the past reach out when we did talk about sexual assault on the show or domestic violence and have found it very healing. So I just want to thank you for being very thorough, explaining all that, and also sharing the good work that you're doing today to find healing, not just for yourself, but for other people as well. So the purpose of this project is to collect a series of curate, really, just like what you're doing, May, uh, curate life lessons and stories told by Filipino-American women. So for you, May, you wanted to share with us that the power of renewal and the simplicity in believing that we have a choice to make it every single day is a life lesson you wanted to share with us today. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? And also what aspect of your life, like what story led you to this life lesson? It would be that, the, the, the trauma for sure. You know, the, the thing that I realize when I'm at my lowest is that I have a choice to make it simmer and take over my life. It is a really simple phrase I always tell myself. And it started to become like this mantra, this rally cry I always say in my events. And it's always like, I'm still here. And it's like the simplest sentence. Wow. And you literally could go through anything. You're like, I'm still here. I got into a car accident. I'm still here. You know, like, <laughs> and it's so powerful when you repeat it over and over to yourself mm-hmm. in self-talk. You're like, I broke up. I got a divorce. You know, I don't have any money and I'm filing for bankruptcy. I'm still here. Right. Like our lives are still here. It's still rolling. And you can sit here and be super depressed about it. You have that choice. You're allowed to be depressed. You're allowed to be miserable if you choose to, but it's a choice. And it's just a simple thing as like, hi, I'm going to flip that today and I'm going to do something different. I already gave myself like a week to get depressed about it. And today I'm going to do something about it. And that's a choice. And it's like the simplest thing. The simplest thing. I'm still here. I'm still here. Do you have. I literally tell myself that. Oh my gosh. You should like have a mug that says like, I'm still here. (laughs) Or like a t-shirt that says, I'm still here. They told me to like, like trademark it and like make that the name of like my website or like oh, okay. start making that a book. You know, somebody's told me that. And I actually was thinking of doing that for the curated stories. They're all going to be anonymous. Yeah. And I asked permission from all of the, the people that have shared them. Like some of them decided they didn't want it. But for those that I'm curating and putting together for a book, it's literally, I think I'm going to title it that. There you because go. Because they're all living people. 
and they're telling you their story, and they're still around, guys. Like, Mm. nobody disappeared because these things happened to us. Beautiful. My mantra back then, like a couple months ago, sounded a little more sad. When I used to struggle with suicide ideation, mm-hmm. and when I would like, when when I was awake the next day, I'd be like, "Oh, so this is what the other side of death looks like," you know. And I used to say that, and yeah, I feel like every time I used it's to like think it. that, right. yeah, I'm it's like, it, look at that, exactly. Like that was my version of "I'm still here." I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> if I had contemplated the idea and I, I'm still here, it's like, "Oh, so this is what it looks like." It, it's actually not that bad. I can keep trying, you know? <laughs> and right, so I, right. I, yeah, I love that mantra. I'm still here. Um, that's going to be like my post-it. I'm going to put your name on it. So ah. I remember that. <laughs> like, I love it. No, I love it so much, May. Well, beautiful. I think we had such an incredible conversation today. A very uplifting one. I, it's just been so positive this entire time. And even, even when we got into the hard conversations, I just love how we're turning it into something very positive and healthy for us and for our listeners. So May, in case anyone is interested in getting to know you more and getting to know the holiday that's dedicated to you and contacting ah! you, how can they do that? How can they find you online or how can they just find you? <laughs> I'm on all the social media stuff. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, you know, Facebook. And it's all under May Flores. And then I'm on also on Instagram, which we found each other in. Yes. So I'm also there. And I actually manage them on my own. So I reply to you. So everything is anonymous. If you would like to share, if you just need somebody to vent to or communicate something that you feel that you need to share with me, like it's all in a good place. So please feel free to reach out to me. I do respond. Love it. Incredible. Nani, I wanted to see if you had any other closing thoughts or comments that you wanted to share with me before we wrap up. Just thank you for being here with us today, May. I, like Jen said, really love your energy. Your positivity is like super contagious. I hope that all of our listeners can feel that. And yeah, again, just thank you for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. I am so thrilled to be doing this with you guys. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Yes. No, it was great. I I feel really happy. Like I'm probably not going to sleep tonight. Like usually when I have (laughs) strong feelings, I have to reflect on them. So thank you for that. I'm not blaming you for me not sleeping tonight. I'm just thanking you. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to like have my post-it here. I'm still here. Post-it. And, uh, I love it. Just, yeah. Yes. Beautiful. All right. Well, with that said, I want to thank you, Nani, for co-hosting with me again, as always. Yes. Yes. And uh, to our listeners, we appreciate you listening in and supporting our show and engaging with us on social media. We encourage you to continue doing that. Thank you all so much for listening and also May for being on our show. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye.